0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the True Love Podcast. I've been gone for a little bit, couldn't get the guests and the times lined up, the way it worked out for everybody. So the podcast hasn't been appearing in a regular frequency the last couple of weeks. But we're back now with someone that I see a lot of during the year when we tour together. Unfortunately, not the case during these COVID times. It's New York and New York Hawker Original, Hoya Rock from Madball. And as always, he's got a couple of good stories to tell, but also some insights on the world today and how he sees life. Everybody that knows him knows it's always a good listen. All right, enjoy.
1: found the first bones of humans in america in new york city <laughs> yeah i mean it's not surprising <laughs> we invented everything hardcore hamburgers mayonnaise on fries yeah yeah air conditioning ice cubes con- oh that for sure you know we gave you guys air conditioning
0: It's about time there's a European uh, podcast interviewing an American because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions of Americans about Europe. You know this, right?
1: What, you Amsterdam be- is not a country? Now, I, I, I think I heard it's not, but it might be. Yeah. Everybody knows Amsterdam's a country, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to so many podcasts with Americans on it, and I'm like, have you ever been to Europe? These are people that that have toured and there's people like, and they're still talking about. Sometimes I hear podcasts where Americans are talking about European hardcore. Like we've got, we invented it
1: when when AF came over the first time. That's kind of funny. You got to remember, they don't try. I just talked about it with somebody the other day. The difference is you Europe and in in the, in the, in the the size of Europe is only America. You know what I mean? You know, we have States. Yeah, the yeah. different stuff, but it's the same shit. In Europe, it's very common that a German kid goes to Holland, goes to Belgium, goes to, you know what I mean? And then you yeah. learn, okay, you know, we don't got that advantage. I, I, would, I would have said Amsterdam is a country if I'd never went on tour.
0: <laughs> That's all right. I get it. But, you know, like, talking about touring, like, we haven't seen each other much this year. I'm kind of disappointed.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time. It's fucking... um usually we see it yeah, sort of when, like when, six or eight weeks when,
0: out of the year and now nothing yeah when that's, was the last time I saw you um I think it might have been maybe Spain last year November October or whatever that was what's that yes, November maybe almost a year right crazy yeah like that. that's 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 insane I know we were texting uh, I talking about it yesterday in the phone but like how, how is that shit for you guys over there? I mean, everything you hear about the States right now is like that you're the, the Sodom and Gomorrah of Corona right now.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, you know, again, is shit a little crazy then? Yeah, but shit is also hyped up, yeah. And people, again, got to remember, you know, you guys just consider Germany, what's going on in Germany, you know, what's going on in Holland, Holland. We're mm-hmm. like all that area in one country. So people got to also remember that. Yes, and remember, that, and there's also a lot of bullshit, not that people aren't getting sick or it ain't a real thing, but there was a lot of boosted numbers for political reasons. And mm. if you don't think po- politics have nothing to do with it, you're fucking stupid, you know, whichever side you pick. But, um, if remember agree. the size of the country, the size of the country and and people also forget there was, um. You know, tourism is what spread the shit a lot. And not just from other places within America, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, you, know, you get a, a cheap plane ticket to Florida, and everybody from around America went to Florida. and Because they were getting a plane ticket for 40 bucks. Then what happened? Then there was a spike in Florida. And then they go, oh, no. And then they say, oh, then there's protests. You know, people never let the, the shit go down. Mm-hmm. And then they try to claim that protests have nothing. To, thousands of people in close quarters have nothing to do with spreading this disease. Mm-hmm. So stupid. Your know, sickness or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's you know it's crazy. It's it's crazy, but it ain't in some places. You know again, you know it's like you know how I many there was a hurricane that went by not too long ago through Louisiana. I, I don't know the the extent of what happened in Louisiana, but I had pe- my own friends from Europe hitting me up. Like yo, we're here in Europe. This crazy storm and blah blah blah. Like, and I'm like, no, it was fucking nothing. But news, news doesn't sell when it's just the good, the highlights for football. You know what I mean? That doesn't sell enough, you know, um, airtime. You know, you got to hear about the sickness and somebody getting killed or a new murderer or a new disease or the new bad guy or the new gossip. You know what I mean? So it's like, but um, like everywhere. Like, you know, I was telling you this the other day, like, you know, um, I had a lot of, you know, Europe looked like it was curving it and whatever, and then what happened, it started sticking, not in the numbers that we have, but it started spiking enough where the same lockdowns are happening. I'm like, yeah, that's happening everywhere because, uh, you know, the, the, the minute, you know, not everybody's responsible. If everybody was responsible, you wouldn't have alcoholics. You wouldn't have... <laughs> child abuse you wouldn't have um you know a lot of shit but we got to re- you know unfortunately there's a lot of moron humans and you think um, they think they know better than the next person
0: yeah yeah it's a fact you know everybody's an expert now but the thing is
1: yeah and, and it's <laughs> like you Get ahead. No, the thing is this is like people um yeah you do you, you could do your own research doesn't mean you got to listen to just a doctor on TV Oh, yeah. But also, don't act like you put in many years in medical school, you yeah. know, and to, to, to start, you know, telling hundreds of people, thousands of people, what's going to get you sick and what's not. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: And I told you, I told you when we were talking yesterday, it fucks me off because um, in a time where hardly anyone can play a show, we did a weekend of shows in Czech Republic and Slovakia. And we didn't because uh, I guess – the local governments there say you're able to play do this you know like we think the situation is to such an extent where you can put on a show and you can be at an outside festival with a thousand people and even if lucky, you could play a show inside everybody was obviously watching what they're doing and be responsible but if a local government and a health i guess the health organization says that it's okay why wouldn't i go do it you know like this, hardly any shows to come by i mean also, we don't do the band full time as a job, but it's also—I mean, for me, it's an exce- it's a part of my income. So, and it's yeah, you know, very hard it, it, money it, it, to come. You you get shit for it, you know. And I'm like, I'm asking yeah. myself, how do you like? How is student hardcore be a little bit different? You know, like questioning shit, maybe supporting each other, and
1: you know, not believing what the government tells you all the time about this bullshit. Yeah, that's the problem. People say, oh, yo, how dare you do that? And those are the same people that say, fuck the government. But yet they're listening to the government that's telling them that, you know, so one government you're going to listen to, but not another country's government is going to be wrong. And then, you know what I mean? It's like, that's where all the bullshit comes into play. It's like, do you have to be responsible? Yeah. We don't know what's what yet. And, and, And usually the people talking shit are the people financially okay. And they don't understand what it is where, guess what? Some people rather take the chance of working to support their family than have their family starve. You know, some people, you know, aren't lucky to have a house. Some people are living by every penny. You know what I mean? And and, and who the fuck are we to tell them, you know, oh, we're going to send you a check? you know, um, uh, you know, once every three months and that's mm-hmm. going to support you and your family, you know, we don't know anybody's situation, you know what I mean? And it's, ta- and, 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 then those same people, you know, talk shit about, oh, getting people infected or whatever, but they'll rock Nikes that some little kid in Thailand made and they don't worry about, you know, the, 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 the you know, the well-being of some little kid in another country used as a slave to make their fucking sneakers or their fucking fitted baseball cap
0: yeah I know, you know what yeah I know what you're saying like if you, if you if you, if you talk about one
1: thing you should you should pull through with the other two, yeah, and that's the problem you can't that's why the problem is stupid with left wing right wing whatever you know you gotta be in the middle. I was just talking about it the other day. it's like a skateboard when you're in the middle, you got the most control if you go too much to one side, you only go in a circle too much yeah. to the left you go in a circle too much to the right you go in a circle when you're in the middle you have balance and you could bob and weave, you know, and that's how people got to think, but they don't, you know, that's the problem, you know, it's like, you know, everybody's a freedom fighter. Everybody, you know, thinks they have a cause everybody, you know, there's a lot of bandwagon shit going on. You know, people see a post and they just want to jump on it. You know what I mean? To be like, you know, they want, you know, we want to be a part of something, but unfortunately people are being a part of something for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah. And, and, and besides that, like exclusively, for example, about the Corona thing, like everybody thinks they have a solution. They know exactly what it is. They have, they have a judgment ready, but they fucking don't know what they're talking about either because no one knows, you know? Yeah. And you know I- we we can just, we can just hint at what it looks like, what it could be and why it's, it's a little bit sketchy, you know, like you said with the politics and everything. And I got my thoughts about that too. But yep. you know, like until, until you know what it is you know what it is so and i think it's kind of weird that it seems like you know like right here and for example not in germany but in holland they had um i don't know how it is in the states but a couple of months ago they they uh installed a phone line a number that you could call to red and your neighbors when they were doing breaking corona rules and shit like that you know and i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like if People that should be together, like people in the scene, people that are supposed to be hardcore and come together, when they start ratting on each other and start being assholes to watch each other instead of saying, hey, guys, it's not my, it's not my opinion that you should play because I think it's, it's dangerous health-wise or whatever. But, hey, you know, this and that, you don't have your criticism. But if people start calling you out for it and being crazy, about, being crazy about it, then I'm like, you're just as big a rat as those people that call the police for their neighbors that break the breaking
1: corona rules, you know yeah I mean, the, the, the first thing about, it, especially in our world in the hardcore scene, we're supposed to make our own rules. The minute you start snitching on somebody, you're picking a side. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're picking the yeah. side of the people wanting to be snitches. you know, mm. and if you if you're not following shit, you're, you're, you're picking another side. It's like, no, we're supposed to be, make our own rules. you know that, that was the whole thing about hardcore and the whole punk thing was supposed to have its own lifestyle way of thinking. That was, the, that was the difference between rock and roll and, yeah. and all the other, it, it had to do more with your everyday life, your own way of thinking. If you chose to live in an abandoned building, you could do it. If you chose yeah. to cut your hair weird, it was your choice. If you chose to hang out with a dude with no hair and boots, it was your choice, not because anybody said it. But now, you know, it's, it's like, before you would get into hardcore or punk as a scene because you wanted to be a part of something, now the people that are a part of this pick a side because they're, they're, it's not, it doesn't have the same appeal as before. Like, you yeah. know, it became, um, you know, not, people constantly want to be a part of a group. And being just under our, our, our scene that was a music scene that had a lifestyle behind it, now just became about the music when it was more about everything, the lifestyle mm-hmm. and the music. Yeah, so now mm-hmm. they, they consider hardcore and punk, or oh, this is just the music part. Oh, but I could choose to be this way you know, but Baba Bon. like, no, it was supposed to be all free thinking. At an old hardcore show, I don't care if it was in Germany. I don't care if it was in Holland. I don't care if it was in New York City. You had now if you if you broke it down right now, you would say, yo, there was people that hung out that were left, that were right, that were you know what I mean? Everybody even if you didn't agree, you all you know ended up in one spot and it was somewhere where people could kind of be themselves and you chose if you wanted to mix with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Now, you know, now it ain't about that. Now it's you know everybody just trying to you know act smarter than the next person. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the problem. You know what I mean? Too many platforms for people to tell their opinions.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, really. Well, you know. Yeah. So when you when do you think you'll be back
1: in Europe? Do you think it's gonna last long or what? I you know, we have a tour like, you know, set up about February, March, yeah. which me, you know, and I, I, I wish I was in Europe playing right now, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I wish
1: I was there hanging out right now. But in my heart, I don't think it's happening, you know. Um, just because, you know, the, the the way, you know, all these waves, the, the ups and downs that we're still going through, all our countries are. You know, I can't see them wanting to, um, you know, feeling safe enough to, 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 to open up everything in, in, in the manner that we need to, to to continue playing yeah um the scary part is i started hearing people talking about 2022 which is scary because it's yeah, already it's, hard enough right now yeah. surviving you know what i mean yeah it is and then um and yeah i don't know man i really don't fucking know i almost think we might be able to play you know every our own country maybe before going to be able to play other countries i think so too. but even then i don't yeah but I think
0: out here in Europe, you know, because it's going it's to be more of a known fact now that everything open air is not as infectious when there's crowds. So if they open something up, maybe it's going to be festival season next year and not before that, yeah. I think. Because, you know, stuff like Rebellion Tour, that would be obviously everything in closed rooms. And all capacities of like 500 people, or 500 people and up,
1: I don't think they're going to do that. As much yeah. as I would like to, but, you know. I know, you know, I've seen it, some of those outdoor festivals where they, everybody had, like, you've seen it, like, little scalp, you know, I was scaffolding with, like, lounges with, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you know, as out here, as yeah. for, our band, for our type of music, I don't give a fuck. I'll play anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously the kids that will come see us, they don't want to be like that. But if they want to get out and go to a show, hey, mm-hmm. we all got to compromise. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and and I'm down to do any of that thing. I'm down to play wherever, where, where whatever makes sense and seems logical and safe and also um where every, not just we feel safe, that the people feel safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and like, but I don't know, you know, um, you know, my idea was thinking, you know, all these indoor venues, maybe, you know, that, that fit 500, maybe find a, a parking lot and kind of make little festivals outdoors and maybe they could kind of control it a little yeah. bit better, you know, just options. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, break up the little space, mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah. Nobody wants to go through a drive-in hardcore show, but guess what? It also might be cool just knowing to do it once or because we got to do it for now, you know, it, you, know gives a, you know, it's another, something to talk about fucking 10 years from now. You know what I, I mean?
0: God, God knows. I hope that's, we can do it, and in five years, we look back at it and laugh about it, you know?
1: Yeah, because I'm not laughing now because, no. you know, <laughs> I, like I was just telling people, I'm going to start robbing banks, and it's going to be a little easier because I get to wear a mask legally now, <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy you thinking about going back to the roots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And exactly. you know what I was thinking? Uh, all the football guys must be loving it. Now they could go to any game. If Some of the games are opened up. Yeah, there's, you know.
0: <laughs> just just close yeah. the games down in Holland again. Like, we could go yeah. in with, I think, 20 or 30% of the audience sitting apart, but to close it down again now. Because yeah. I don't fucking know why. It's open air. No one, gets, like hardly anyone gets affected open air. But
1: you know what never. the problem is? You know what the problem is? Unfortunately, alcohol. You know what I mean? That's where you get a little sloppy with how you, you know, the you know if social distancing and keeping clean you know what i mean when people get Not too bummed, long <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you never had a drunk dude put his face right on you doesn't basically lick your face you know what i mean and hardly you know you yeah. hardly, hardly ever you know, that's happens, the especially problem it shows yeah exactly that's kind of the one problem everywhere you know what i mean it's um when you go to the market you can social distance now Mm-hmm. Throw a bottle of Bacardi in somebody and see how how long that lasts. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to take the fun out of all you alcoholics out there, but um, I think that's a big part. But even the sporting events, that's the best spot where you want to go drink and let loose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And
0: yeah. it's like
1: um, I, I don't know, man. It's 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 crazy. This whole shit is really fucking crazy. Yeah, know? it's crazy. We
0: we could talk about we could talk about five hours about this, but you know, let's let's cut it off because you know. Yeah. What are you what, you, what do you do are you doing with Mabel
1: now? You writing? Yeah, I got a I have, you know, I've been writing for it. I have a I have a lot of music stocked up. I actually took a little break because before the the, the 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 lockdown, I already had some music stocked up. And then um during the whole lockdown shit, you know, a lot of shit happened. You know, like I told you know, you know, um my mom yeah. passed away yeah. after mm-hmm. COVID, but you know, she passed away. We were on lockdown. You know, um, my job got, you know, basically playing shows Mm -hmm. stopped. So basically mentally, it started getting to me a little bit like fucking figuring out what the fuck I was going to do. So I kind of took a break. So I kind of took a break from the music for a bit, but I got a lot of music and then I started again. You know, Mm -hmm. basically what I started doing was while I was home, focusing on my son on my sons, both of them. Mm -hmm. But doing that, I started working out more. I I took it as a jail sentence. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what could I do? You could go two ways. You know what I mean? You could fucking, you know, roll over and die or you could get up and keep it moving. And I said, fuck it. You know, I got, you know, I want to keep shit moving. Then that's why I relaunched the Smoking Word podcast. It was a perfect time to do it. Techno, the, The Zoom shit blew up because of, um, this pandemic shit, you know, a, 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 an app that helps um, shit like this um, 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 work easier for, you know, for guys that aren't te- technical guys. Yeah. So I, I said, let me take advantage of it. I, it also keeps our, our world alive, the movement alive. It keeps the brand alive. It's being We can still be creative. We're still giving back to the scene. You know, it still helps all our endeavors, you know, keep, you know, the mix, and, um, it helps to keep it busy, you know what I mean, it's like therapy, so, I relaunched the the, the podcast, I've been doing a lot of merch for the Casa de Rock stuff, and yeah, I started putting... writing music again, you know, stocking up music again, what happened?
0: No, no, I was just saying, like, yeah, what you said, no, like you said, you've been, I've noticed you, uh, you, you put on the podcast again, because you, you stopped doing it for a while, right, and, uh, yeah, I love that. I, 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 I think a lot of people like hear you talk, you know, and shoot the shit. So I was like, this is perfect for him. Why didn't he, you know, and yeah. he started again,
1: which is awesome. So, yeah. You, you do you, what, like, you know, one, like one a week? Yeah, yeah, one a week I've been doing. I've been consistent. I'm going to try to keep it one a week. If I take a week off, it's just because of real life. But my plan was to do everything a thousand percent for my life my lifestyle to my, 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 my career, to anything I'm doing, I said, I'm not just, you know, one thing I, 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 I know, I got a big mouth, but one thing I know, and you know me, when I say I'm gonna do something, I do it, yeah. right? You know, I, I'll get it start. I'll make it happen because I don't do nothing unless I'm really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. The smoking word had to take a break because you know, we were using, you know, jerk our sound man who lives in Germany, At the time, we needed a recorder, all this technical shit, which I'm not. And it became a a very big process to to upload a video. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, I couldn't keep up with it when I came home. And something with a podcast, I I wanted to be consistent with it and all that shit. And I let it go for too many years. Mm -hmm. People kept asking me, you gotta bring it back, you gotta bring it back, and I had fun doing it. And then again, when I started seeing the Zoom shit, I said, wait a minute, you know, now everybody's yeah. home, one. Number two, now they have an app that it automatically br- puts the audio file, and now you got a video like this yeah. together, and it's, it's very easy to use. And what better time than now, you know, when everybody's doing a jail sentence, kind of. You know what yeah. I mean? If, you know, if, and I said, uh, no, you go I ahead. Figured, You know, I figured, fuck it. Let, you know, let me jump in, and, and I have a lot of ideas for it. I'm having a good time with it. And um, yeah. I, I think we're at, like, 10, 11 episodes since mm-hmm. we relaunched. Yeah, so, great.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to most
1: of them. I just started the Tim F. U. D. one. Yeah, that's a good one. Them. I always loved yeah. the band. It's great. Yeah, and it was good. I started seeing them come back in the mix, you know, online. I said, let me go catch them yeah. early on, you know, because um, they were always one of those bands that, you know, they, they, they bobbed and weave. You know, they're a hardcore band despite what their sound, you know, they, they came from that. Like they came up in the hardcore scene, but they were able to branch off into a lot of other shit, which is very impressive when you hear it, you know, they did a lot of, Mm -hmm. were able to do a lot of big shit and cool shit. A lot of it. I didn't even know. And, um, it's cool to, again, you know, um, to touch base with the old era, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like to, to, to reconnect with people, old friends and all that shit. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting dudes. You know, I got my boy, Kamal, who was on there. He's a comedian and film director. He was yeah. from the Jerky Boy, that old guy, you know. Never it's like, the one. You know, yeah, there's some <laughs> cool shit, you know. Like, you know, obviously, it's very music-based, very, um, you know, under the hardcore umbrella, underground umbrella. But I'm all about the lifestyle. Like, you know, we, we, we like promoting, you know, the underground lifestyle, the alternative lifestyles, if it's – Tattooing if it's um football, if it's um you know music, if it's um anything counterculture, yeah, exactly, yeah, you yeah. know, and I wanted to show that you know you know my whole thing is I don't do a podcast to talk about myself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I do it because I like you know uh, interesting people, you know what I mean it, it, you know to me it's like you know I just find shit interesting when you the digger you deep, you kind of be entertained about how people's lives how they grew up, you know, what their families did for a living, you know, how they got into shit, you know. There's, there's some interesting shit there, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for real. And coming back to what you just said, like, you're doing everything a thousand percent now, like, what this period to- taught me, I got a little bit frustrated somewhere in the middle, you know. Um, I had a lot of jobs lined up. I had a course lined up with the band, with you guys, everything. And that all fell through. Like, day after day, there was a new thing falling through. I got a little frustrated. And after a while, one thing it taught me is, you got to now pull through with everything that you had an idea for. Don't stall it. Just go for it. Just do it. Even if it means... It's very little now. Your your What you're doing is, is not a big thing right now, but invest the time now. Now you've got the time, so it can maybe be a big thing in five years or in one year or in three months or in four years. Exactly. Who the fuck cares? You know? And there's one thing. I had a lot of stuff put on hold that I was like, oh, I'll do that at one point. Now I'm like... Yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the thing is, The thing is, I, I'm, I'm quasi in the same boat as you in a different way because I get some... I got maybe a couple more revenue streams coming in, maybe more than you have, as, I mean, we know each other from, you know, like, we know what what we do, so. Yeah. um, Well, that felt true, too. So, I was like, I don't want to be in a situation anymore where uh, that happens. so, most of the stuff is is online stuff and stuff that I think is not going to be affected by anything like this in the future, you know? Yeah. That's why I think it's very good that you started doing this again, because I think... You know, I mean, for example, me, I enjoy listening to what you're doing in The Smoking Word, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and it's just, you know, like, there's a couple of podcasts that I wait for till they, they come out, and I put them on immediately, and that's one of them. Yeah, cool. No, it's, it's, it's cool. It's I'm good. like... It's kind of weird because I I hear you talk for two months a year anyway, so whole fucking day, and I have to listen to you online too. Yeah, so. you know why?
1: It's like therapy. It's like that ASMR stuff. My voice to you, it helps you relax. Helps oh, yeah, you
0: relax. maybe you, you know,
1: something just like yeah, pre-falling asleep, so I can fall asleep yeah. easily. You know, exactly. You know what it is? Also, like people gotta understand: if you don't plant the seed, the plant ain't gonna grow. So yeah. now was the time to plant the seed if you didn't, because I, you know, we all knew. Like, I said it with my lifestyle. I said it with my music. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I know what I got to do. Yeah, I, I worried about the future. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. But then you put it till life hit is right in front of your face. Yeah. After my mom's passed, my mom just happened to pass at the same time this COVID shit. Again, had nothing to do with the COVID shit. But it put my life in front of my face. Mm-hmm. From bad. me being a single father to uh, my son losing his other mother. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? My mother to me, you know, again, my health, you know, and you know, to my my, my future and what am I gonna do. It brought everything and put it right in front of my fucking face. And I could do two things. You could close your eyes and you could run and hide, or you gotta face reality. Yeah. And it's not on some tough guy shit, but you got two choices, but you have a choice. Yeah.
0: You're completely
1: right. You know, and that's what I did. I fixed up my lifestyle. I fixed how I ate. I fixed my, you know, my health. Thank God I'm good. But I... I, I, I Wait one working second. On it.
0: I've heard well, you I've been... talk. I heard you talk on the podcast. I don't know where. Maybe we're rich here, someone. And I heard you say you don't drink coffee anymore. Yeah. What well, the fuck?
1: You, yeah, must have got, you,
0: know, you must have gone through something if you don't drink coffee anymore. I know. Well,
1: I, I'm not going to claim that I quit coffee forever. But I have not blazed. I haven't drank coffee. You I haven't blazed? Nope. And Are you kidding me. Five, six months. Um, am, I, am I talking to the right person? Yeah, Real exactly. hard I, on. Um, <laughs> I cut out red meat from my diet. I only do chicken and fish and vegetables. It's um, only a number of days before, months before you're vegetarian, right? Yeah, you know. But, you know, my whole shit is that, no, you know, my whole thing is, again, I started cleaning up my lifestyle because my son needs me yeah and and i i started and also i was getting anxiety when this after my mom's passed you know my life caught up to me i led a crazy life you know you know me i'm a real strong-minded person you know i don't mm-hmm. get flustered with a lot of you know everyday bullshit you know from you know traumatic shit. you know i've been shot at i've been in situations where the police wanted to do me in I've been in some real serious shit and nothing ever phased me but all that shit caught up to me you know mm-hmm. after my mom's mm-hmm. and then it said and then I realized I started getting like anxiety and then I'm like yo I haven't been home this long my career my son what about my son what's gonna you know bye 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 I started thinking mm-hmm. and then I was drinking so much coffee that shit didn't help my jitters and then when I was smoke okay. it wasn't so, it wasn't soothing me it was making me think even more. Mm-hmm. And I said, yo, that shit got to end. I, I can't feel this way. I got to focus on what I got to do. And then I cut everything out in one shot. You know, I'm, I cut. I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I cut all. I cut it. It took some a pandemic. My mom's it took a lot of shit, but. Well, if I just it cut takes, it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I said, let me do the, let me focus on my life in every aspect. So I started working out a lot. You know, they helped me get through the, you know, I started doing, you know, I started with jogging in place because, you know, we weren't going out and doing um, 15 minutes of the heavy bag, then a half hour, the heavy bag. Then, you know, now I got a bike. I ride my bike around my area. Then I come back and I do 45 minutes of the heavy bag. And then, you know, I'm doing all my cooking, you know, so, you know, I, I cook for my son and my family. So I try to, I'm not a cook, good cook very basic, but I'm able to at least figure out, okay, yo, we need to bring in more of this in our diet. You know, I'm watching my diet. We got to, you know, eat cleaner, you know, and when we eat cleaner, you know, you feel better. And then yeah. on top of that, it, it all works with the same picture. You know, I got to live long for my sons. So yeah. that means I got to change the oil in my, in my, in my engine. I got to keep everything lubricated and everything yeah. running good, you know? And then when you do that, when your heart is good and your fucking lungs are good, it feeds your brain. And when you feed your brain, you know, you can still be creative and you can use your brain to the potential, full potential. And I took advantage of all that, you know, and I was just talking about it on my boy Truth on his podcast. I go, I literally wrote, I got a board where I write, you know, like a, a board in my house where, you know, mm-hmm. you would write like a, a, you know, like it has a, like a calendar with a, a marker where you could wipe off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, n- it, you know, it's hard to be motivated every day. And I literally put my son's name, my family's names, my you know, that, and I put, I will win. And I had to put that there. So every time I woke up and I didn't want to work out, I saw that and I go, Why did I write that? And I said, Because I don't want to lose. Yeah. And I said, Why do I don't want to lose? And I looked, and literally that's been getting me making me do this every day. Yeah. And and literally putting a message up to remind you. That shit helps because I, people would used to, you know, used to hear like therapy, doctors tell people all this type of shit. And you'd be like, ah, oh, that's all like kind of corny shit or whatever. I literally put it on my wall and I got it right there. It says, I will win. And it has my son's name. My brother. And then every morning when I feel like I didn't want to work out today, I wait tomorrow and I look at it I go, no, I put that there because they need me. And I said, fuck, all I got, it. What, what else I got to do? I'm not in jail. Yeah. You know, I'm not in, on a life support. I better get up because I can. Mm-hmm. And and that right away, the minute I get through the workout and do all my shit, I feel glad that I did it. You know what I mean? I feel like I earned my food. I earned, you know, um, I get, I got an extra couple minutes of my life back. Yeah, that's you a know? good feeling. Yeah. And, and that's what I've been doing, you know, from like everything and every way in my life that shit, you know, I, I started working on. And that's what I've been doing, you know, again. Trying yeah, to use the time to fucking build myself, you know.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how some things can just make certain things click in your brain, huh? And in your yeah. in your mentality. But I think it's I'm very impressed. Uh, a lot of respect that you uh, that you're doing it because I know you. I mean, you were big on coffee, you were big on plays, and you were big on a lot of things. That yeah, you know. Yeah.
1: So, and and don't get me wrong. Not that I don't I I, I miss it. And I ain't saying the coffee is forever. But I'm, an, I'm going as long as I don't need it now. I wake up fine, and I don't even think about it. Yeah, you know what a, I
0: mean? a coffee now is not a big deal
1: either, but it's, it's, it's about, you know, yeah. your boys are up. It. It's all about moderation. Yeah, and like what I told myself, the next time I do a coffee, I'm going to earn it, and it's going to be from a good spot. Like, all right, we're on the road. Yeah. You know, my one coffee. Let's go to a good spot. Okay, I'm going to drink that one coffee. That's it. And I'm gonna make it like that. And I think like that, cause I love coffee. And like that, I'm, I, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm, a, I'm somebody that, an addictive personality in general. If, it, it, you know, I, I love having a good time. If, if I'm gonna laugh, I want to laugh hard. If I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight hard. You know, if I'm gonna drink coffee, I'm gonna drink a lot of it. If I'm gonna smoke, I'm gonna smoke a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, all right, you know what? No. You know, get my, my, my whole body used to not having needing it every single minute and treating myself to it and use it as a treat. Yeah. And um, coffee's one of them that I'm just putting on the back. I might not, I might make myself a promise and not to drink coffee till I go back on the. You know what? I'm going to say it here right now. I'm not going to drink one fucking coffee till I'm with you on tour somewhere at a good coffee spot.
0: Good, good. I'll join you. I haven't drank coffee for I think one and a half years now for reasons, but um, yeah, I'll join you with that one. Yeah, I, I can't do the same for a bottle of beer. I'm sorry, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, and some people to me with the blazing. You know, there was times you know, I could go, it was never that I needed to blaze every day, but I loved blazing, I really loved it. But unfortunately, with everything going on, it wasn't giving me the The the, the relaxation I needed, it it was making me overthink, because I'm a thinker, and -hmm. it was making me overthink, and when I overthink, I start um, adding more stress to myself. Yeah. uh, I think too much of the future Mm -hmm. in a negative way, or like what could go wrong instead of Mm -hmm. what I I could do to make shit better, you know? And then I say, you know what? I don't need it. And, you know, to me, it kind of, I don't miss it. I love it. You know, but I don't miss it because the last times I'd done it, it, it didn't make me feel the way I wanted to. And it was like a nasty f- feeling where I never wanted to feel not in control of myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I'm, you, and, I, I, I'm, and I'm you're, fi- you're
0: finally pretty straight edge after all these years.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> Shit. But you know, like, who would have thought? Yeah. But, but that I, means music. You, 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 know, that- uh, you know, I did enough smoking. And drinking coffee for four lifetimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. to so that one, so I can basically cut the hospitality rider in half, right? What happened? The hospitality rider can go fifty percent of it. Yeah, good. Makes my life easy. Love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it. <laughs> what about yeah, what, it's if, it's, 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 shit it. what about true union? Something. Yeah, no um. I, I've been working on that. I got a, you know about it. Um, I got a new band. I, 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 you know, I don't call it a project because it's a real band. And it's a real, um, you know, it's a hardcore band. But it's it's like ACDC with James Brown's drummer. You know what I mean? On some yeah. shit like that mixed with a little bit of the Animals. You know what I mean? But it's, um, you could feel, you could tell there's a, a, a hardcore attitude behind it. But it's not hardcore music, you know this is the the type of music I tell people um you know the hardcore shows on a Saturday night this is where you could take your girlfriend on the Thursday night, you know she could have tattoos and wear a dress and not feel out of place, yeah, you know what I mean It still mm-hmm. has that element of our world, but um something you could go chill have a drink you know you could drink you have your little whiskey drink or your little you know um, um, it's, it's, um, it's groovy water rock drink yeah exactly basically that you know and um some shit i'm really psyched on is i got some really cool shit i've been working on it for a while and right before this pandemic shit i was supposed to head up to my boy stress his studio in pennsylvania right after mm-hmm. the black and blue bowl which got canceled yeah but i was supposed to go there to record three songs three singles and and put out three videos which i'm still gonna do but i didn't get a chance to do it because um all this shit going on mm-hmm. but um you know, I got no label, no nothing right now. I'm just doing it all on my own because I, w- I think it's dope. I want to put it out, and I want to throw it out there. You know what I mean? And fucking and you know, again, you know, just staying busy and it's some cool shit. I think people are gonna like it. I think you know, um, was in a band? Um, I can't say that yet. I want to save it for <laughs> you know, I, I just it's put fierce. it like this. I got the illest, the illest rhythm section people could fucking ever want you know i'll I'll leave it like that and um i yeah i want people when i drop the video to people to see it because i don't want it ain't on no super group bullshit it ain't on no like i kind of want to let it speak for itself and then with with the visual and then people make their own assessment of the shit but um i got some ogs in there just put it like that (laughs) and uh i don't bother for a second
0: I think I know a what, of things, what? but I said I don't doubt it for a second. But I think I know. A couple of,
1: I heard a couple of names drop, but I won't be mentioning anything. So, yeah, exactly. But um, no, but I'm really psyched on it, man. I'm really psyched on the shit. You know, I'm and ready to record the shit once I we could we could you know we could move within the con- our own country a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's therapy also. But I got a lot of songs for that too. You know what I mean? I got like. 10, 12 new Maball tracks, not finished, but ready to be, you, you know, put together with the band. Mm-hmm. And I got like 15, 20 True Union tracks I've oh, been working shit. on. Yeah. yeah, so.
0: That's productive.
1: Yeah, yeah, been busy. Been busy and, um, that's, you know, again, we got to make the best out of this shit while we can, you know, and then it's investing in the future. I ain't giving up on the future. You know, some people are like, this shit never going to come back. Uh, I, I think more positive than that because, especially in the hardcore scene, the punk rock scene, we, the, all, the originators made it happen because the rock scene didn't give them an, an avenue. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the club scenes didn't get an avenue, so they made their own. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to go tap into that old mentality moving on to the future and might have to start rebuilding. And I think hardcore kids got that best mentality when you do have it, how to make shit happen, how to make something from nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, and I agree. We just got to think of, you know, people got to brain instead of worried about why is it happening, why is this it ain't going to happen, we got to worry about, okay, how we're going to move on in the future and keep this shit rocking. That's what everybody should be thinking, brainstorming together so they could complain when we're in the next level of this shit, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Hey, let me ask you, um, um you grew up, in, obviously, in New York in the 80s, 90s. Yes, The podcast is also about different subcultures as well I mean growing up in the 80s and the 90s in New York besides hardcore uh, AF and, and, and uh, all those bands that started on the lower east side and started that whole scene um, you, you grew up with hip hop too probably the best yeah. like what do you like how did you, did you, were you ever involved in that or did you, did you go to shows what did you do
1: you know that's it exactly like I was will- yeah, I was always into hip, I was into hip hop first. But a uh, metal and hardcore was always in my house because of my older brother. He was a metal hardcore guy. Yeah. So that was uh, you know, I always heard Black Sabbath in the next room. And you know, and I was always into hip hop living in New York, especially in the cities in the bigger in the bigger cities, it's almost like there's no other choice, you know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of the main background for young music. And um oh, so it's I always up
0: to that? What happened? How, how, how subculture was hip-hop back in the day?
1: Like, how was it? Yeah, was it, like, everywhere? Or was, Is it, like... Yeah, yeah. In, the- in New York, it was everywhere, but it was more in the inner city, in the, the bigger cities. Not that it wasn't in the suburbs, either, but, mm. like, like, hardcore. That's why there's a lot of similarities where something that started in the LES, but yet most of the hardcore people are from the suburbs. Yeah. You know, it's, it leaked out because kids have the same mentality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they still, they had that rebel shit in them. And, um, it was just everywhere. You know, you didn't even think about it. Hip hop was everywhere where you hung out in the park, you hung out on the street where you have young kids, where you have young kids, you had radios where you had on the radio or you had radio stations that catered to young kids. Where you know, you, you, we when you're young, you don't want to hear your parents music. You want to hear yeah. your, you know, your music. And then it was basically everywhere. And you, it happened to be, while hip-hop was becoming more mainstream with like the Run DMCs and all that shit. So you, it was starting to get more popular on the radio and just everywhere. And um, New York also had a lot of metal and stuff, but I, where I grew up was an all-Latin neighborhood, mainly Latin. You know, Latin, a little bit of, of like Italian, and, 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 a, and a big black neighborhood. So mm-hmm. it was very big hip-hop oriented. And um, but I always had metal around me and hardcore because of my brother, and I always loved metal and I always loved hardcore. But I never liked long hair. I never liked earrings. You know, I never was into all that look. You know, yeah. I liked the harder. I liked a leather jacket, an MC jacket, boots. Cause I was like, yo, to me it was like Mad Max. It was harder. You know, that's why. And then um, like I was just telling this story the other day. Um, I remember my brother. He had a, 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 a an old um, like Playboy magazine. It wasn't a Playboy. It was called New Look. It was a mm. titty magazine, but yeah. it was called New Look and more underground one. And they had a little article on Agnostic Front. And back then, you know, hardcore never got any publications. Yeah. You know? And I remember my brother being fucking psyched. It's like, yo, you ain't gonna believe this. AF's in this. But he went out, bought it. Ba ba ba. It was a little article like this big. Yeah. And I looked at the picture, and it was a picture of Vinny and Roger sitting in the backstage of CB's, They were sweaty, you know, whatever. And I remember looking at them and I said, man, these dudes look like druggies, like dirtbags. <laughs> but I remember something looking really raw and it was kind of hard. You know, it was different than, you know, guys with long hair, with the makeup, trying to look like the devil. I'm, I always thought that was corny. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, when, you know, I loved metal, but I always thought that, you know, the theatrics wasn't my style. You know what I mean? And then I was like, Yo, I like that. And then I would hear in the room, you know, the, the, you know, I always loved Slayer. I always loved yeah. Black Sabbath. But then mm-hmm. I would hear Victim and Pain come out. I would hear Chromax And I said, yo, it sounds the same, but it don't sound the same. Mm-hmm. And then when I could connect the picture with the looks, I said, yo, that, that makes more sense to me. You yes. know, more, more regular dude, more raw. Even with the look, they weren't, they didn't care how they looked. The, the, you know, their look wasn't part of the image. They mm-hmm. were the image themselves, being themselves. So you remember, and, um, the, you remember the first time going
0: out to TV's?
1: Yeah, my first show was um, um Rest in Pieces and Sheer Terror in 1988. You know, I don't consider myself an old school guy, but that's been a while now since 88. But um, yeah. I told tell my brother when I was younger, take me to shows, take me to shows. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like 11, 12. He never wanted to take me. I was too little. <laughs> but and then he that, went to the Was, the that,
0: was that your first hawker show Ever. As in? Oh yeah, that was the first ever? The first art show ever. All right. Yeah. At my first show So, so you'd go locally you know, in Queens I've, or somewhere.
1: Yeah, no, no. My first show ever, hardcore show ever was CBGB's Rest in Peace and Sheer Terror. And before that, you know, again, like hip hop didn't have shows. They had I did see a hip hop show once before that at a roller a famous roller ring that used to be around called USA. Yeah. Roller Ring. And they come out in famous movies like um, Star Wars beat, uh, and a couple of old hip hop movies because it was mm-hmm. a skating ring. But they used to have old hip hop and people used to break dance there. And my my elementary school and junior high school, they used to give out free tickets, you know, to go to the skating ring and, and you could catch a show. Mm-hmm. But that's the first time I seen a live act. But my first real show was that show at CBGB's when I was uh, 15 years old, something like that. What you and, think about um, that? Oh, that changed my life. I already liked the music. And when I went there, I, you know, while I was there, I was already thinking, oh, I'm, I'm back here next week. You know, it wasn't <laughs> even a question. Yeah. And I probably went every week for years. That was part of our, you know, that's like, you know how you had to wake up Monday to go to school. We had to go to the <laughs> CB show. It, was, it, it wasn't even talked about. We didn't even care who played. We were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in those days, you just went. And you would check out the, all the bands. Even if you didn't like or didn't know, you would walk in, check them out, see if you liked them, then walk back out and hang. But you would go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I never been to an arena show till I was signed to Roadrunner many years later. And that was because I got free tickets. Life of Agony went on tour with um, Ozzy. And I got free tickets. And that was the first time I was ever <laughs> in an arena. So I never even <laughs> been in an arena till I was like, you know, in my, 20 years old, 21, 22 years old. All right, was that? that was that was before Dynamo, right? Oh yeah, way before Dynamo. <laughs> I was gonna say because that's, that's practically an arena show right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and also Dynamo was the, our first fest, real festival. Before that, they go, "You're playing a festival," and we would be in a parking lot for you know eight hundred kids, and they said that was a festival. So to me, I thought oh, still we're happens like play show.
0: <laughs> as you, you know. know. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah a, you know, it ended up being our biggest show to date, you know, you know, to this day, you might as well stop. Yeah. Well, the famous story is, I'll <laughs> tell it again, everybody, you know, we're on stage for dynamo, you know, 80,000, hundred thousand people in front of us one stage and the intro's going on. I never seen a crowd that big in my life, let alone to be in front of, you know, wanting to hear us play. And, While we're standing on stage, Stigma's next to me and the intro's going on. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. Stigma looks over to me and goes, it's all downhill from here, kid. (laughs) And I looked at him and he took my heart on and My heart on went, I just fell asleep. And then we had to start the set.
0: Yeah. Well, quite legendary. Everybody still talks about that. You know.
1: Yeah. You know, it's uh, unfortunately. I probably in all these
0: years. I've never seen a more chaotic Madball show, but...
1: Yeah, you know, again, it was also the worst performance we've ever did in our existence. (laughs) Everything that could go wrong for a band went wrong for us. And I'm Uh, so glad that the people took it as, yeah, it was so raw. In my eyes, I'm like, yo, we sucked.
0: (laughs) I remember remember starting out with Born From Fame. And back in the day, like, you also think, like... Uh, it was so great because the responses were great. I mean, we were lucky. We straight from the get-go. We had a lot of people behind us and a lot of support. But if you look back at it, if I talk to Dom now, we go like, kill. those first four years you guys played sucked. <laughs> it was not good. I was, so what I'm getting at is, was you usually had better shows or was it just still getting into what Madball became a little bit later and we just saw, we had, just had a really big glimpse of it on, on the animal stage. Without, without ov- obviously all the technical fuck ups, but you know,
1: no, like, like you know that. Look, it. We, you know what it was, you know. Again, as a band, I'm playing with all the AF guys, so those yeah. guys were se- they were seasoned players. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I was the weakest link as far as, you know, I never been on tour much. I did a handful of shows with my other bands, and we had good shows. They were small shows. People don't understand also that back then we were still playing. You know. Squats, a lot of squats. You know Actually, what I mean. More, Europe
0: in those days was a lot of squats, anyways.
1: Exactly, few yeah. centers and squats was the majority, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. even some of the craziest shows. When you look at back at it now, they were very small. They were great, classic, but it was like you know we were we learned as we went, and you know the more we got to play, you know I learned that a lot of uh, the, the Maddie Henderson and the the older guys they already understood you know what it is to play tight and sound good and then what having the the options of playing some of these bigger festivals you saw how these other bands did it and we always wanted to rep hardcore to, to let people know yo we could kill it too mm-hmm. you know we could sound good too we could mm-hmm. play tight too and we made it a, a, a fucking mission that we were gonna be sound like a machine you know what i mean so to show the metal bands that we could do this shit too cuz I always felt like hardcore never got the respect that it deserved you know yeah. because of the you know of the musicianship and and um you know we always had the attitude more than anybody Which but is, I was like yo we we got to step up the the the, the playing to match the the attitude you know yeah. what I mean
0: And it's kind of it's kind of crazy because if you listen to a lot of death metal bands at the beginning of the 90s you know like I don't know if this is like but obituary uh a little bit later, Six Feet Under or autopsy; those were all bands, those riffs are as basic as hardcore riffs. That's not, yeah. a lot of that is not difficult music. So, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know because obviously just screaming a microphone, but you yes. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's not like your technical Swedish death metal. It's not like you're playing at the gates metal, you know? You know what uh, I? Like I not- always thought it was weird that, that, that Harker never got that respect when it was a tight band to get the audience going. That should have as much value as
1: as as a metal band doing it. You know. Yeah, you know what it is. Part of it, it was a little bit of the, the the performance aspect because the performance was never the main aspect of the music. It was more about the attitude and the and the energy. When mm-hmm. metal was more about some show off shit and some. Um, um theatrics mm-hmm. you know not that that's wrong but it was a different mentality you know what i mean and then not i think when metal came into the hardcore more i think that's when the musician shit stepped up because mm-hmm. that's what it did for me i used to be like yo these metal guys could play but yo you know but they play stiff so i said man we i want to i want to sound like these metal guys you know the, the the quality of the guitar tones and how tight they played, but with our groove and our balls yeah. And then that's why I think you know if you hear Minor Threat Minor Threat was great players. If you compare them to some other these other bands that back then that sounded like shit, you could see why Minor Threat shine because even though they were playing really raw music, they were tight, they, their sounds were together, they played together and mm-hmm. it made sense. Listen to the difference between Victim and Pain and Cause for Alarm. Mm-hmm. Victim and Pain has balls but it's really dirty cause for Alarm sounds very mean, but very well better put together. Mm-hmm. Why the the metal aspect crept in it, yeah. You know, right. and I think, yeah, um, you know, we, you, you we, they met in the middle, and I think that's what made the beautiful the, the beauty in it, you know, the, the 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 taking the best from every type of scene and making it pop in the middle, you know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, true. So, what was your uh so, what's your uh, what was your
1: first set you ever got? Like my first said, what? Hark, said like mixtape. Oh um, fuck. What was you on? Know, it? Kinda, it was kind of weird because um, I don't even think really uh like I don't remember demos. Like again, like my brother already was listening to hardcore so I already had the 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 Age of Quarrels. I had the GBH. I had the fucking discharge. I had the you know the nasty words.
0: Do you don't remember what your first bands were that you got exposed to? Like,
1: oh, were, those were GBH and then and, and Cro-Mags? Agnostic Front, hands down, was getting blasted through my brother's fucking door. It was literally the bands, like AF. Mm-hmm. The, my brother was big into the cro demo because that was out then. But yeah. the Cro-Mags, um, um, uh, GBH, you know, Exploited, Discharged. Yeah. You know, um, the, I remember the Y, my brother still has it, I think, the Y, 7-inch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, But for me, I think my first tapes, which I don't remember, were demos from local kids because I had the main hitters, you know, the records at, at home. And then when you go to CBs, people were always selling demos. Yeah. So you would get a demo. I don't really remember them, but the first record, one of the first records I remember buying with my own money was when um, Leeway dropped Born Born and Expire. Mm-hmm. I actually split it with my boy, Beto, who used to play with us at, the, you know, at my, my first band. We actually split the money for the record because we didn't have enough for the album. And we waited. It, it was an album that should have came out, I think, in 86, 87. But it took years to come out. And then we found out when it was coming out in 88. And we literally waited. We were in the record store when they were still in the boxes on the floor before yeah. it was open. And we were telling the guy, come on. He goes, we're going to put them up tomorrow. We were like, come on, man. Sell us one. <laughs> we literally split the record. I paid like you know whatever it was. It was like eight dollars. He put in three. I put in five or whatever it was. Yeah. And literally we did this. Yo, I'm gonna have it this week, and then you'll get it on the weekend, and then you get it next week, and then I get it. We like we split the record up. <laughs> you you know kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, and so we did that, and then um, you know, little by little, I was never a big record collector, but I got all the main, you know, the, the staples, you know. And I had all, and then I would get, we would make mixtapes. Yeah. That's where mainly my sets came from. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like I would get my, my boy, Richie, my old drummer, he had all the records. So he would make mixtapes. Yeah. So we would tell him, yo, put the promags, put the Leeway, put the breakdown, put all the, you know, and then we would just make mixtapes and pass those around.
0: Yeah. So you were saying you were going to all the shows in the 80s and you just went to any show just because you like, you know, just wanted there. Like, I was listening to this one podcast that's all about uh, Revelation releases. And uh-huh. obviously, they had a lot of uh, straight edge bands on from that era, you know, think um, the records that came out in that time. And I guess it was in, there was a time um, after the, 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 the Rest in Pieces, AF era, and all that kind of stuff that uh, straight edge was huge I guess in New York or at least it looked to the outside world like it was huge um, you not being straight edge and coming maybe from a little bit of a different background to that scene because um, that scene sounded or looked a little bit suburban not that it's a bad thing but maybe a lot of suburban kids you know uh, it was not as, much, not, a mu- not as much inner city kids how did you guys look at that like what's
1: that, did, that- you know what the thing was this was the thing that the the, I, the part of the division in hardcore was because of the youth crew shit, and, and let me explain it. It yeah. ain't not because I love straight edge, and there was always straight edge is a part of hardcore music. It's definitely in the DNA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the problem was this. Like I said, when I was a kid, I would go to a show. It was very normal to be Gorilla Biscuits, Maximum Penalty, Agnostic Front. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, no for an answer. The Crow Mags, Super Touch. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought, oh, there's a straight edge band. There's a tough guy band. It was all a hardcore band. Mm-hmm. And then when the youth crew shit coming from the youth of today, people and whatever, they started youth crew, youth crew. And it became, they only started supporting their own movement.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then what happens is now the guys that were meatheads, it's like, oh yeah, then we're just going to support our shit. And they started dividing everybody. Mm-hmm. Um. The straight edge weren't the only reason but it was a reason mm-hmm. that part of the reason that shit started separating because of the whole giving shit a title when it was should have been all hardcore
0: mm-hmm. you know what i
1: mean it was very common for youth of today to play with af and then later on it became oh that's a youth crew show and i go what do you mean a youth crew show mm-hmm. only straight edge bands i go i don't give a fuck what it is if it's ask the gorilla biscuits who was at the gorilla biscuit shows you know, I was at more straight-edge shows than half these fucking straight-edge kids ever been to. I was there to see no for an answer. I was there to see instead. I was there to see, you know, bold. I was there for, you know, seeing even mm-hmm. today. I, we, not me, just all of us. We used to go rep for judge, you know, because if it was good, it was good. Mm-hmm. But the minute it started being like, oh, uh, you know, a lot of people on that side started looking down on people on our side. And we're not the type of people that take that lightly. So it automatically made us put our, our guard up and maybe get a little more ignorant than we should have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah. straight edge was always a part of the scene. You know, um, um, vegetarianism was always part of the scene. Mm-hmm. Veganism was always part of the scene. Drinking beer was always part of the scene. Mm-hmm. People, I remember somebody calling us the, uh, years ago, and they were like, yeah, you know, like you guys, you're a tough guy hardcore. And I said, whoa, whoa, what? Tough guy hardcore? I go, why? Because... If you talk shit, we'll punch you in the face. I go, I'll I'll pick, I could pick out a hundred straight edge kids. If you talk shit, they're going to punch you in the face. It has nothing to do with being hard. It has to be doing with being real. And I go, you know, to me, it was like hardcore. It's in the title. It's the harder edge of punk. Cousin of punk, it was the harder edge of metal. It was the hard, raw version of our lifestyles. The more, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. You know, punk rock was about destroying. Hardcore was about rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And we were always about being vocal about it. And then when they started putting, you know, it was the more extreme way. If it was straight edge, you extreme. The straight edge kids were the ones running, stage diving, stepping on people's heads. It wasn't the tough guys, but that was hard. They were expressing themselves with with oomph. And that's Mm -hmm. what we like. But the minute it started becoming too many titles, you know, like, you know, not now you have, oh, that's D&D for Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, LOL, laugh all loud. You start giving everything a title for everything and it becomes its own thing. Yeah. When it's like, no, we were all hardcore kids. If you were hardcore skin, a hardcore punk, hardcore straight edge, hardcore drug addict, you were all a hardcore kid. At a hardcore show, you would see everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody roll up. And I, that's the thing I miss about those days when it didn't matter. I gotta say, Europe still has... That, in a lot of ways, so that's why you know. Also, you know, um, Europe kept a lot of more of the original spirit alive. But you know, you see it over there also. You know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. You. Know, but um, you know, uh, uh, people take it. the road like straight edge was, uh, you know, again, it, not that it it was the main cause of it, but it definitely had a a, a big part to deal with separation within the scene in one way. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then. And then, like, we pushed out, hardcore pushed out the political shit. That came in from the punk rock stuff. Not that we pushed it out, but it wasn't the main focus for us. Mm -hmm. For us, we were just like, yo, we're all misfits. This is our world. Let's make it work. Mm -hmm. That was the hardcore scene, you know?
0: Yeah. Now we're talking about that anyways. Now we're talking about different, different influences in hardcore, especially the city you're from. We we sometimes talk about this on tour when there's a lot of free space and when we're a lot of when we're bored in the backstages. Hardcore compilations from New York.
1: Uh huh. What would them? What what,
0: what what which? What do you mean? What is the what, better what, one? What, what? I, I got three choices for you: New York hardcore, the way it is, Where the Wild Things Are, the, the whole, new the new free cassette. What do you say? What, which way, which,
1: what do I have to pick one? You're saying, pick one well, the green one because that was the first one, the way it is. With um, I think Gorilla on stage playing, right? Yeah, that that, that one, the one that had bold, bold, you know, we always talk about the one with bold on it, you know, that to me, that was just again, that's a perfect example of what hardcore was. It was a whole type of mix of bands. You know, and that's how it was. It wasn't, oh, this is the straight-edge compilation. This is the non-straight-edge compilation. Yeah. No, this was like, this is who's repping the scene right now. And yeah, that was my... You love
0: Nausea song on it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? This is <laughs> shit. We we talk about it. I hated that song back then. And then when I hear it now, it's fucking hard as fuck. It is hard you know? as fuck. I um, love but, that uh, song. And shout out to Roy. Roy Mayorga fucking k- killing it. And... um. But um but um all the ones you named are classics and they yeah. all have a spot for it, you know what I mean? And I think they all represent an era the right the era that it came out in, it represented the right way. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like um
0: I, I think that those are probably the best hardcore compilations, period. To Absolutely. Hell I
1: mean, yeah, hands I mean, down. I right mean I, I know the flex your off. heads
0: and everything, but that's not my thing.
1: Yeah, no, right now you put any of those compilations on and, and you get the best. You're going to get somebody saying, yo, I love this song. You know, they, oh, they, 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 the next song you hate, the next song you like. You know, it had something for everybody and that's what the hardcore shit was about. You had a nausea. You had, you know, the other ones, you know, you had Raw Deal, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Breakdown, you know, Bold. You had um, I'm Gorilla Biscuits. You had fucking Sick of It All, you got rest, you know. That's what made it dope. You know, it was everybody under one umbrella. Norman know. Bates in the shower heads. That's something I never liked too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I but, like. But you know food. what was great? There was a place for everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about the YDL song? Uh, what, what, what about him? Yo, shout out to Nick. Yo, well. <laughs> No, shout out today. Well, this is the whole shit. YDO got a lot of flack for maybe some ways of thinking back then. But again, New York to us, you know, obviously we, we're the guys, not me, just me, but our era of dudes and all my people, we yeah. were the dudes that chased all that white power shit out of the scene. Before that, it was, it was tolerated with, because people, it was just, basically you know hardcore was the, the 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 like i call it the what do you call it the, the septic tank where all the, the shit fell and that yeah. was the all the misfits and that white power shit happened to be in there but that came again people were trying to mimic what they were seeing in europe not that you know that's what europe was all about but they thought like like the whole biker mentality you have black bikers in in, in america with with swastikas but they were doing it like with a punk rock mentality of being shock value yeah you know what i mean i can't speak for the ydl dudes what they were thinking as far as political shit but i know nick and i know nick ain't down with that shit and if anybody would have brought any white power shit towards us they would have got fucked up and people learned that in europe and in america you know we're all about believing what you believe in and think what you think but the minute you bring any type of hate towards us, we finish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, the, the, our world, meaning the hardcore world, everybody's welcome. But the minute you want to fucking puff up, you might get punched in the face.
0: Mm-hmm. At a certain point, um, at least okay, from a Europe perspective here, right? I was always very, very much into New York hardcore. And the, the, the era, you say, the way it is, where the wild things are, is my favorite era. Because I mean, obviously I, I grew up with Victim and Pain, which is still one of my favorite albums of all times. But what came after that? The breakdowns, the raw deals, the, the, the whatever you just mentioned. That's like that's like the shit that really, you know, like that that was my thing. So and after that there seemed to be a period. I mean, it's it's been discussed a million times, but um where after that whole youth crew thing was done and people from that scene started going more post hardcore with all the the quick bands and all those bands that was like kind of hiatus and things i like guess this is also was the time when you guys started coming up and kind of thoughts started coming up and those kind of bands would be 25 to live or whoever um yep. and how like how was that like was it was was the we talked about it a million times but was it for the people out there was it like, were the shows still big? Were still shows going on? Or was it, like, something that you felt you had to build up from the ground again?
1: No, you know what it is, yeah. It, hardcore was dead when we started coming up. You know what I mean? And When we started, hardcore was dead in New York. And we liked a lot of those post-hardcore bands. But, again, a lot of those post-hardcore bands were guys that separated themselves from the scene. And mm-hmm. if you happen to notice, a lot of them were from the straight edge scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, kind of felt maybe a little bit more clever, a little bit more educated than the rest of us, and felt, oh, we're grown up now. We move on. Again, don't get me wrong. I love early quicksand. Into another shows, there's probably more of us, the tough guy dudes, than the not tough guy dudes there. Because we love good music, and those guys did represent, and a lot of those guys are are, are, um, early staples of the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. But there was also some, a, little, a little bit of they thought they were better than the rest of us kind of shit. You know, that, that, I don't care what anybody says. That was definitely going on. And when we started, we didn't start to bring the hardcore scene back. We just said we were starting to make music, and we were repping the values we came up with. Mm-hmm. And other bands like Chronic Thorns and the Bulldozers and all the, all the other bands coming out around that time had that same type of mentality and mm-hmm. i think that's why it started getting rebuilt kind of like that earlier era like the you know the, the raw deal era and kind of that where you could be a little bit more swaggy not as punk but still with a little bit more of the old school values you know what i mean mm-hmm. but those shows were great you know and again we went to those shows because there was no more hardcore shows part of it was cuz of violence due to us i ain't gonna make ourselves sound perfect and half of it was too that these post-hardcore bands were trying to get a check. They saw somebody getting signed and everybody wanted to be a post-hardcore band. They mm. wouldn't even call themselves hardcore. they all go, oh, we're progressive rock. And we used to be like, yo, that's fucking whack. You know, you're almost denying your roots. And we took offense to that type of shit. That's why to this day, we make sure we say we're a hardcore band, no mm. matter what. You know, that's what we are and always yeah. will be. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think in New York, you had parallel to that, you had like that whole ABC no Rio scene, right? Yep. And, and you yeah, know, I never mixed I with you guys.
1: Yeah, no, they never really fucked with us. I, I got to say this, you know, they were like the real left or whatever. They went uh, back to the crustiness. Squatter that, scene. And then they, yeah, and then they went to like an anarchist kind of that type of theme. And I know some good people from that scene, and they actually, we never mixed with that scene. And I know they, they weren't crazy about us. But my band Demise did get to play a show there, so I give them props for that. We played one show there, and um, anyone full that um, hole, yeah, the hole on the floor. But it, it was definitely they were trying to be the counter counter culture, you know what I mean, yeah. And um, again, you know, there was good people everywhere, and there were assholes in everywhere, you yeah. know what I mean. So, you know, um, again, there was a lot of good dudes from that scene, but we didn't come up in that scene, yeah. you know, we came up. The last days of Seabees, um, Wetlands was our spot, you know, um, um, Coney Island High. Those were like yeah. our stomping ground. you know what I mean? And we just never looked back. We just kept going. We kept repping, you know, the whole how we came up, showing love to all the old school guys and trying to let people know, yo, you know, don't forget your roots. That's it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't forget the roots and, and the generations will be better. Because you're going to have old, old school knowledge and new school way of thinking. And that's what we need. You, you don't need just old school. Mm. You need the old and new to meet in the middle. You know, it yeah, makes you greater, mm. you know? So I was playing the show in New York right now in this day and age. How is it playing the
0: show there? Yeah. Is it, is it like, does it give you the vibe of back in the day or is it, is it, is it, is it way know, smaller yeah. or what is it?
1: Yeah, like like in some ways, smaller. You know, the black and blues are always good, great. You know, you know we're able to yeah. when, when 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 they when they we're able to book at Webster Hall. You know, you'll get a couple thousand people. You know, have you have this is hardcore in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. It definitely got, has its up and downs, like it does everywhere. But um, what I think is there's less smaller shows mm-hmm. as a whole because you know, um, uh, the, the, the legal system, people started getting sued and small, you know, and, and there had to be a lot of um, uh, uh, insurance things. So a lot of smaller clubs stopped having shows, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? So it's harder to, to build from the ground up. You know, you kind of had to work with what you had, the classics, and bring up the new kids through that way, not through the garages and the the small venues and the small, like, you know, the, 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 the halls in the in the schools, you know, it's a uh, definitely in a smaller way, but um, and yeah, nothing's gonna feel like when we were fifteen. We're also not fifteen years old, you know what I mean? So, Absolutely but enough. I think when, when 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 something when it's something um with a variety, it brings out everybody still. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Old and new. So it's, it's 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 different, but it's still there. It's still there. Good
0: let's uh let's switch topic and you uh we discuss this sometimes too you uh you love you love sports right well maybe not take you to an extent where you do a lot of it yourself maybe except for some uh, some jiu-jitsu but yeah. um you wrap you your you wrap your hometown
1: teams yeah like you know it, it, it was like this If you watched it or not, in New York, this is the way it got to be. Don't let nobody else tell you different. When you're a real New York motherfucker, you go two ways. All I can speak is for New York. Either when you're a Yankee guy, which I am, you're the Yankees. For for hockey, you're the Rangers. For basketball, you're the Knicks. And for um, football, you're the Giants. If you're on the other side, you're a Mets, Nets, Islanders. Jets, there's no meeting in the middle, despite what some people we know try to do, play both sides. <laughs> you can't do that shit. Yeah. But, but uh, we so, were more, stop, stop when we grew up, we were more anyways. into baseball. Yeah, for us in New York, you know, me personally, we were more into the baseball and American football. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that was, that's very popular where we grew up. And um, But guys like Ezek, Ezek was a good ball player. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And if you ask Ezek, what's your team? He's going to tell you the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And it's just how it worked. And generations were brought up like that. My mother comes from Nicaragua, rest in peace. And mm-hmm. Nicaragua is one of the countries in Central South America that they've been bringing out baseball players since the 50s and 60s. They have mm-hmm. an old baseball culture, which is rare for South America and Central. My grandfather used to listen to the Yankee games on the radio. So that meant my mother was a Yankee fan. She loved baseball, which means we were Yankee guys. And my brother's a big Yankee fan. And you always stay. It's, it's a little bit It's a lot different than how you guys see football. The only difference is with football, your, 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 your nationality comes more into play because you have away games, and now it becomes more than your local city. It becomes more like Holland versus Germany, Germany versus friends. And mm-hmm. then it brings in a lot of other things like politics involved, which never we had to deal with. We just dealt with mm-hmm. other cities and States. Yeah. Um, uh, football is there's people that are just as passionate for baseball than they are with soccer, football, meaning mm-hmm. soccer. But I think at overall, um, uh, uh, um, the nationalism, and I, and I don't know if that's a bad word in, in Europe or whatever, but being proud of your country had a lot to do with, uh, um, and with football in Europe, which brought in a whole different dynamic. Yeah, you
0: know also, I mean? out, also, out here, it's not just, not just that, the, the, the national team, because for a lot of football people, they don't care much don't about follow. the national team. Like I know in Holland, not a lot of people that I know care about so much about the national team. It's yeah, more like but, your hometown team, you know? Curfew like curfew you represent because yeah, your the hometown. Reason is,
1: yeah, and, and, and you rep that, but also part of that is why you guys don't always rep your national team because the politics behind it, you guys don't back that politics and don't want to be under that umbrella when politics had zero to do with baseball, zero to do with American yeah. football. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, so it makes things different. For some people,
0: it is. For other people, it's just like they're not interested in supporting a supporting a team that hardly has any of their players in it, you know. And that's a whole different dynamic, I think, exactly. with, with the States because, I mean, you don't really have a national baseball team, you know, or you don't really have a national
1: basketball team except for when you go to the Olympics or something, you know. So Exactly. So there's already a different thing with that, you know what I mean? It's common to have national teams playing each other. That was never big in America with any sport. It was rare to have national fo- American football teams against other, you know, you didn't have that. So, it already brought a different dynamics. You know what I mean? So, yeah. where, I, I, I'll show you guys that rep fo- American football, like guys rep football in Europe, mm-hmm. you know, with the same passion, the same, they want to fucking burn your city down when they lose. That same thing, but it's different. It, you know, it, it's um in the bigger picture, it didn't leak into um um um, um politics. Not that all football in Europe is political, mm-hmm. but it's intertwined in some ways and some not. You yeah, know what it, I mean?
0: Yeah, it definitely is. At some clubs, it's a very big deal. At other clubs, it ain't at all. But it's it very it depends on the region
1: on the people who are involved. But yeah, definitely, there's, there's a lot of politics involved too. You sides. know? Yeah. So that's what happened. Like, and for us being in the hardcore scene. Like you know again, people forget we're a lot of south americans and and, and Europeans in America, you mm-hmm. know, so we grew up with football, european you know meaning soccer or whatever yeah. you know, a lot of that, but it was about it, your dad's and, football career what, what happened it was a bunch of football career yeah, yeah, my father played in in ecuador for MLEC. my my father played um um as a as a as a, as a youth and he even played in leagues when he came to New York and even managed. Football teams, again, soccer. Don't get it confused. Yeah. In um, New York, you know, to this day, that's why, how I know what's going on with all the European clubs because he watches fucking that shit 24 hours a day. And um, <laughs> for for us, I grew up going to games watching my father play, you know? And I saw the nationalism come out there when yeah. it was Ecuador versus Peru. And that's <laughs> them playing in Flushing Metal Park in Queens. I see the wives fighting. The kids fighting, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I would see it. But for us, you know, it's funny in, in New York, you know, we rep West Ham for, for if we were into football because we associated that when we would see what in Europe, you know, the, the whole skin culture was big in New York. We were skins, but we were hardcore skins. Mm. And, we, and 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 the teams that we would get that repped our scene were teams like West Ham and even um Man U, which was always popular but mm-hmm. was known. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they were known to have, you know, again, it's the clubs, you know, the hooligan aspect of it. So guess what? You know, we're going to gravitate towards those type clubs. Yeah. And whenever you would see, uh, you know, a, 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 a West Ham dude, a lot of times it was a skin. Mm-hmm. And we were skins. And we were like, if we're going to rep a club, you know, what the guys that are living it, what where where are they repping? And if you were into f- football, you know, you, you followed it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, like, again, I don't follow every West Ham team. I mean, every show. But if I'm going to rep for anybody, I'm going to say I, I root for West Ham because yeah. that's how I was since I was 15 years old. I was 15-year-old hardcore skin. And and, and, <laughs> and and that's what we did. And that's why, you know, um later on, Meeting some of the best guys I know, like the business dudes. You know what I mean. Um, you, you would hear them. You know from um, like like uh, you know half of them are you know there's West Ham guys, and then you have Millwall guys, and then you learn that whole shit. But in New York City, you rep West Ham or you rep Man U. That's how it was. That's how it was. And New York is a West Ham city. It's just what it was. If you catch the skins or anybody who follows it, you know it's West Ham.
0: Yeah, hammers just- all day, baby. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, they you. Like you said, the business cocky rejects, you know, Coxfire. There's all like West yeah. Ham.
1: Yeah, you know, Most, it was always. And then when you go there, you find out. Yeah, West Ham, the Millwall guys, and then the, you know the rich history and, and football clubs and all that. And and I could appreciate it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we were we were those same kids. Except we were doing it for our scene and not a club, you know what I mean. If if, if we had clubs like that then, here we might have been with that, you know what I mean. There's
0: a lot, there's a lot of similarities to that actually, and a lot of parallels, you know. Like people sometimes don't get sub ultra football, you know, but it's there's a lot of similarities with what ultras do and the way they work. How and I'm not talking about politics here, I'm talking about ethics of morale and whatever, you know, like how they do
1: with the club as we do with the scene, you know? Exactly. How many people we personally know, they're part of a club and they don't even care about the game so much, but the camaraderie, the same way, of yes. thinking and hey, my bo- I got my boys back and I back up this way of living, so yeah. we're going to represent this. Exactly. Well, that's the same thing we did, but with our, with our scene. That's yeah. why you know, we always we always got love from from different firms, different clubs, from different lifestyles, underground lifestyles from the other side of the law, you know, and from both sides of the law, because we, we, we basically back up what we believe in and by all means necessary. And if you can't respect that, you probably got to look at yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that that is
0: something that people recognize in each other anyways, I think so. uh... Exactly.
1: And that's why we always got love from, you know, um 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 if it's biker clubs, if it's different um clubs, football clubs, you know, people could appreciate what we do and show us love because we all got the same mentality. You know, you fuck we we we're gonna rep what we rep and we're gonna rep it loud. And if you got beef for one of us, you got beef for all of us. Yeah. And that we're just like, you know, it's not just alpha males. There's alpha females. It's just a, a, a either get, lay down and die or represent, you know, and with those type of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you and Freddie were talking about starting the inter, Inter-Miami firm. What happened to that? The play playing, so yeah, I'm, we, I'm waiting.
1: Yeah, we wanted to represent, and these motherfuckers already got thousands of people. Did you do? believe that?
0: <laughs> Inter-Miami, still, I don't know. I'm
1: still, I'm still planning to rep. Represent the Miami team because I want to take my son to team to to, to a couple of games, and um, it, it's it it's, it would never be like Europe, but I think it's a good example of showing um, representing, you know uh um it teaches you you back up your club when they win or lose, mm. not just when they win. And, and 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 that goes with anybody you know but being you know it's easy to be down with somebody when they're doing good, you know, yeah. but it teaches you you know I think, I think it teaches you you know um a different way of thinking, and um I live in miami now I'm not too crazy about the hot pink, which I won't rock but um <laughs> but but I definitely I, I um, look I you I, I I definitely appreciate the game and um I, you know, I got a lot of history with the game from my father and growing up with it. I'm not the biggest football fan watching every game, but I respect it. And I, I, you know, what the, 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 game, the important games I'm there watching. And whenever you hear me, if I'm going to root for a team, you see me. I will yell West Ham in the middle of anywhere. If they're going to yell something, if I'm going to yell a football club, it's going to be that. If I'm going to yell a, football, a baseball team, it's going to be the Yankees. If it's going to be the, 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 the football team, Giants. It's just what it is like it or not. I don't play hockey, but when I do, it's the Rangers. I want to play, I want to see you play hockey. <laughs> I, I I could ice skate, nigga. You can? Yeah.
0: Good. Absolutely. I can. I can. Ah, exactly.
1: Can. So we see who's going to score more when we play then.
0: We'll see. Well, ne- next tour of winter, we'll get on the ice.
1: Hey. Yeah. I mean, was, yeah. <laughs> no, no. What did you want to say? No, no, I was going to say next time we're in Sweden, it's on. <laughs> Oh,
0: Sweden! Yeah, that's, that's once every six years experience. So let's keep it for that one.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, uh, I think we're we'll wrapped up. I think we've got enough for now. I want to thank you for taking your time out, out of your uh, busy
1: day, out of my your heavy morning.
0: Day. Did you already my get your very, run? My very
1: very busy day. So
0: did you so already you're welcome? Did you already get your run or your bike ride in by now or no?
1: No, no. I'm actually gonna do that. I Got my sons here. I made them breakfast right before I got on with you. And I usually go, I don't know what time it is now. I, I go no around, I, I usually, my, my neck, I usually eat around um, 1.30, uh, uh, lunch. So I usually go right before it. So I, you know, I work out right before it. So I'm hungry and, and I appreciate that next meal.
0: All right. Well, I'll leave you to it so you can can actually eat it a bit. Hey, thank you very much, my friend. You know what's up. We'll talk soon.
1: Yeah, we'll talk later, nigga. All right. See you later. Bye. Peace.